Welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Show, folks. I'm Paul Bruno coming to you from Southern Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in another hockey mad area in southern in the United States, specifically Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's pretty close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. AJ, I don't like what you're wearing today, but I'm going to give you the floor because uh, your team mopped the floor with mine in the NFL. So let's get this over with. Well, yeah, we were talking beforehand and, uh, you know, going through the rundown of the show. And I said you weren't getting off that easy. Uh, I, as some of our listeners probably know, Paul, you are a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, I, being from Wisconsin, as you mentioned, am a Packer fan. So our two teams went head to head this week. In uh, what could only be described as a butt whooping, Paul, I, th- I think that's an appropriate term uh, to keep it PC without, uh, you know, uh, being too light. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not one of these guys yet that's on board that says, you know, we've found the third the third coming of our great quarterback run to continue. I need a few more years out of love before I'm ready to go straight into that. But he's definitely playing well performing well so I feel encouraged about my team heading into the next round Paul I'll let you talk about uh what you think uh, about Dallas moving forward and and the great former Packer coach Mike McCarthy as I said to you I thought when the the Cowboys hired McCarthy I think I told you then and I'll tell you again I think he's Packers spy and and I didn't like the hiring from the outset look at I've been a uh, Cowboys fan for a long time and uh, I've seen all five Super Bowls, okay, that they won. That's how far back I go with this team. And uh, this crew doesn't bear any resemblance to the glory years of those five Super Bowl wins. People try to draw a dotted line with Tony Romo and, and Dak Prescott saying they're among the greatest Cowboy quarterbacks ever. That's garbage. They don't hold a candle to Aikman or Staubach. And uh, that, that's been the nub of the issue. From, from my perspective, I also think that this ownership of uh, Jerry Jones reminds me of the Halcyon days of Maple Leafs when they had Harold Ballard running the show here in Toronto. And he was the worst owner in, in that I could have ever imagine. But now I got another one to contend with in Jones who sees fit to meddle in, in, and call himself effectively the general manager of this club, which, which I, I don't know what kind of training he has to be the GM. Certainly has the deep pockets to pay everybody, but... <laughs> That's his uh, training. I, I, I some checks. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I think they've got a clean house in terms of the management of this club. And tell jo- uh, Jones has to realize he's not a football guy. Okay, and and leave it to the professionals to to guide this team. So what I would like to see, move out Dak Prescott. Prescott, get rid of the defensive coordinator. I don't know why he's so highly regarded. He sh- he's been uh, the club has been handed its butt three times this year with butt whippings uh, that wasn't the first one of the season this year and and i can't wait for this guy to get the hell out of dallas because we i saw what he was worth when he was the head coach of atlanta remember that game when uh, the patriots came back from a, a zillion point deficit and uh, and uh, his defense couldn't stop the the deluge there and then we go and hire this guy i don't understand that okay so there's a lot that's wrong with dallas and even though they won 12 games in the last three years when the playoffs come comes calling, Dak Prescott simply wets his pants, and, and that that's gotta that's gotta be the end of him in Dallas, as well as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, I'm disgusted. I, I didn't even watch till the end of the first half of that game. I saw the writing on the wall, and uh, when it was 14 nothing, I thought this is not going well. And uh, later I heard there was a pick six to, to make it 27 nothing. I'm so glad I jumped ship before that. I saw that I would have thrown my converter through the TV. So, so I'm not happy, AJ. And uh, I want to remind our listeners, it's a, it's a hockey show, but you dragged me into this, and, and I felt I owed it to you because I've, I've taken you to task with your takes on the Penguins and the Leafs over the years, too. So I'll let you have your run with with this one today. So I hope you enjoyed that. Absolutely. Well, let's get back to hockey, as you mentioned, Paul. Uh, I think uh, we wanted to talk about the halfway point through the season, uh, and I'll let you kind of lead the way uh, as to, you know, surprises uh, or underperformers in each division. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the the surprise team in a positive vein here. I'm going to try and 
bring it back to positive, but I'm going to certainly let you have your say about what your key observation is for each of the divisions. We're reached pretty much the halfway point in the season. That's why we're doing this, folks. And I take a look at the Atlantic Division. At the beginning of the year, I thought that the three teams that were outside the playoffs would take a make a challenge at least to the top three clubs that seem to rule the roost here for a few years in this loop. And so I thought one of Detroit, Ottawa, or Buffalo has to be ready to, to take a step. It turns out it was the Detroit Red Wings that might have been the last team of the three that I would have said would do it. But here they are on a couple of points behind the Maple Leafs, albeit the Leafs have a few games in hand on uh, Detroit and a couple other clubs in the loop. But uh, the Wings have made it tight, and then they put the exclamation mark on that with a road victory in Toronto on a day when they arrived just an hour and a half before the game starts. I had to push it back a little bit, but they showed a lot of heart. And I give credit to Steve Eiserman here, AJ. He's building this team, I think, the right way. You have to bring in some veterans to augment the young draft picks. And uh, Dylan Larkin, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the league, too. So they've got a lot going for them in Detroit. And they finally seem to have turned the corner. And they're doing it with three goalies in tow, which is a bit of an unusual aspect, too. But full marks for them for making this race uh, not the automatic thing that it's been in prior years. I don't know if you agree or disagree with my take. But I think Detroit's the surprise team in this division. Yeah, I would agree with that in terms in terms of the positive there. I think, you know, the I wouldn't quite call the lightning like a surprise. Vasilevsky's been back for a while, so you would expect him to be climbing up a little bit more. But we knew he's going to be out for a long-term chunk. And so to see them uh, outside of the top three is a huge surprise. I guess for me, Ottawa, it has to be, you know, that this team that you look at it on paper seems like they should perform uh, better than they than they do. You know, you've got Tuchuk and Stutzley and Tarasenko, Claude Giroux, uh, Drake Batherson. I know they haven't had Josh Norris for chunks, um, even on the blue line. Chisholm, Shabbat, you know, Artem Zub, Hamannik. Like it feels like maybe goaltending should be only the real question mark here, but this team clearly has more problems than goaltending. Um, so for me, they're probably the surprise disappointment here um, for, for that division. Uh, I'll lead us into the Metro as well here. Um, I think the surprise for me is just the league uh, or the division as a whole. I mean, you've got uh, kind of the Rangers up top, the Blue Jackets at the bottom. That's not so surprising, but this like condensed middle, it's starting to separate a little bit. You're seeing Philadelphia and Carolina creep closer to the Rangers than, than to everybody else. But, you know, there's, there's two points that separate seventh and fourth uh, in the division right now. You've got Washington technically seventh with 46 points. But when you factor in, you know, looking at the wild card spot, that's two points out of the wild card to be seventh in the division, but two points out of a wild card spot or three points, I'm sorry, out of a wild card spot. I mean, that's so tight. It's so condensed. So for me, I think it's a little surprising uh, how tight things are there. I and a lot of people thought we'd see more of an A and B class uh, on the Metro, um, but it, it has not been that case with the exception of maybe the Rangers. Yeah, and I'll I'll leave your overall review and say I agree with everything you said, but in terms of one team that's surprised and, and is higher than I thought they would be, it has to be the Philadelphia Flyers, AJ. And I, don't, don't, I know you're going to, throw up in your mouth a little bit when I, when I, well, I talk about this club because it's your arch rival, but the, the centerpiece for this club that's turned that helped them turn the corner this year and make them a top contender in this division is simply the fact that they have two viable options in net in, and Samuel Harrison has joined Carter Hart in that regard to give them a solid goaltending effort. It seems every night, and that's a real advantage in this year. You've heard us talk week in, week out about goalie issues around the league. There are no goalie issues in Philadelphia. They're very fortunate to be one of the few teams in the league that has two viable starters, two young goalies, in fact, that makes them almost the envy of every other team in the league at this stage in the, in the first half of the season. And uh, they got a couple of guys back from last year who missed the entire year, Couturier and Atkinson. And uh, Couturier is just starting to round into form. He's got 29 points in 40 games played. Atkinson, not quite the season that uh, that his buddy has had but uh, both players chipping in uh, Atkinson has 21 points for that matter it's not terrible but he should be better than he should be like a 50 point 50 60 point guy but uh, you can imagine 
that having those guys back in tow and seeing the development of young players uh, to add to that makes this team uh, a tough out in this division, I'll say, and uh, not the walkover that you might have anticipated at the beginning of the season. In terms of the Central Division, there's some Canadian content at the top of this loop, AJ. The lone Canadian team in this division, Winnipeg Jets, really contending with everybody else there. And I think it's a bit of a surprise, but they're getting stalwart performances from key players at, at center. Mark Scheifele, who's out right now with a bit of a, an injury situation, and certainly Connor, Connor Hellebuck once again has thrust himself into the Vezina Trophy conversation. But they're keeping pace. In fact, they're ahead of the, you know, the, the loop here with two games in hand on Colorado, despite the fact that Colorado is a team that's been loaded for bear. Winnipeg's actually outplayed them the season to date, and uh, you can throw Dallas into the mix there. I thought Colorado and Dallas would duke it out for the first two spots, but they have company in Winnipeg, and that to me is a big surprise here. The rest of the division kind of drops off a little bit. Nashville trying to keep pace with the big boys, but starting to slide a bit, and uh, I think that uh, that will continue. And uh, you got to get tip your hat to Arizona, I suppose, because they've had a bit of a uh, resurgence and they are a competitive team rising in the standings. Like I thought they might, but they're still on the outside looking in at the end of the season, I figure, when the playoffs roll around. So kudos to Winnipeg for uh, putting the Canadian flag on top of the Central Division right now. I think they are the surprise team in this loop, AJ. Well, on the reverse side there, it's got to be the Minnesota Wild, right? They go into the season – Tons of talent uh, on this roster. Two very viable goaltenders in both uh, Gustafsson and Marc-Andre Fleury. Really hampered by injuries throughout the year. They're, they're just now starting to get healthy. But you had, you know, uh, Kaprasov was out for a while. Um, you had uh, Jonas Brodin was out. Gustafsson was out. Just They had a ton of injuries on this lineup, and it really hurt them. So I, I think we're potentially going to see a climb here out of the wild. Uh, obviously fans in Minnesota are going to hope that it's not too little too late. Um, but this is a very talented team uh, really from top to bottom. I mean, they've got uh, guys like Brock Faber, who's lighting up the league right now. And, and Jonas Brodin on the blue line, obviously Kaprizov, uh, you know, Marco Rossi, Matt Zuccarello on, on the top end, Gustafsson and Flurry and net. Uh, I will take this opportunity, Paul, to commend Marc-Andre Fleury, who moves into second all-time on the wins list, uh, breaking the tie with Patrick Waugh. Uh, there is almost no chance, in my opinion, that he gets anywhere close to Martin Brodeur. Uh, so we'll have Fleury, will finish his career in second, unless he plays like six more seasons, which I don't see happening. Um, Brodeur's numbers are just so ridiculous. But for me, as far as the standings go, I have to put the wild – as my, my disappointing uh, side of this one. Looking at the Pacific, I mean, you know, we expected San Jose, Anaheim, uh, even Calgary maybe to be, be down there a little bit. So for me, it's Vancouver. Uh, I think they've really stepped up to a next level. Uh, I anticipated, you know, Vegas would obviously be at the top. Nobody expected anything less out of them. Uh, Edmonton would up be up there. L.A. would be up there. But I think a lot of people, myself included, had Vancouver more in that 5-6 uh, range instead of being at the top. And just a, a fantastic squad that they've put together over uh, many, many seasons. They've slowly built, but uh, J.T. Miller, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko between the, between the goals there. Uh, Quinn Hughes, uh, fantastic blue liner. Uh, just a really well-built lineup, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. And that when I th mentioned Philadelphia, this is another team that has a pretty good duo in the Nets. Uh, you know a lot about Casey DeSmith. He served as a very viable backup here in uh, in his uh, appearances. He hasn't dropped the ball at all. His goals against is at 255 compared to De Thatcher Demko's 247. The save percentage for both these guys is north of 91.5%. Uh, so you got to like that in the Nets to augment what you've already highlighted in terms of what's happening in front of them with one of the all-league all, uh, all uh, defensemen, Quinn Hughes, and uh, certainly the offense being led by Pedersen and uh, company there. there. There's lots to like in, in uh, Brock Besser's season to date, and uh, they're not alone. They've got a lot of company here, 
uh, at the top of the standings. And Philip Ronak has been a nice addition to the blue line here, who's kind of in the shadows of Quinn Hughes. So they've been, they got the luxury of uh, another thing that I look for around the league when I look for top contending clubs. Do they have a couple of viable offensive pieces on the back end? And both of these guys, Quinn Hughes and Ronick, are among the top 30 point getters among blue liners and uh, Ronick is on pace for a 60-point season. Nobody's even talking about him because Hughes is better than a point per game. That's how good Hughes has been this season. And uh, Pedersen, one of the league's top superstars, he's going to hit the mother load in terms of his next contract. He's doing like Willie Nylander did, uh, having the, the picking the right time to have that breakout campaign. He's going to be in the top, easily in the top 10 scorers if he continues this pace. And JT Miller, kind of an underrated guy. When you think about Vancouver, you talk about these other guys, but Miller is the actual scoring leader for this club. So a wealth of talent and they play the game at a fast pace which is fun to watch in terms of the downside in this division aj i want to spend a moment talking about the edmonton oilers i don't know where they were for the first two months of the season but they had their heads up their butts it seemed and they weren't <laughs> playing very well at all and they've really got their act together and they're chugging right now uh, to close the gap really quickly on the other contenders and i i thought it would take them a lot longer to get back in in the race but uh, a long, long winning streak that they're enjoying right now. I think it's up to nine or ten games uh, where they haven't lost a game is uh, one of the reasons why they've been able to close the gap so quickly. And I, I think that they have every opportunity to continue that way as long as they continue to get solid goaltending. Skinner has really uh, held, the, held the fort there in the nets. And uh, uh, Picard has been a viable option, as a secondary piece. So they're getting decent goaltending. And that's all this team needs is decent goaltending because they have a long list of offensive pieces. I'm so happy for a guy like Zach Hyman. If we couldn't keep him in Toronto, I'm glad he's in a situation like he is in Edmonton where he's surrounded by other stars. And they look, and he's leading the team in goal scoring uh, ahead of these other uh, big names like Dreisaitl and McDavid. He's got 26 goals on the season halfway through on pace for over 50 if he keeps it up. And I'd love to see it because he was my favorite Leaf when he was in Toronto. And I was so sad to see him go. Like I said, jumps from one good situation to an even better one. And uh, this team needs to continue to find ways to shore things up defensively to make sure that they can stay at the at the elite level of, of the league in terms of uh, power rankings. They have every opportunity to do so with the likes of a guy like Darnell Nurse. And I love the addition they made last year of the big defenseman from Nashville, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Matthias Eckholm. That's the guy. And uh, Eckholm is a guy that, who solidified the back end. He's got 17 points, but that's not what he's all about. He's about a strong defensive acumen. And I think uh, if he can show the way to some of the younger Edmonton defensemen, they have every opportunity to be one of the league powers here this year before all is said and done. Well, before we jump to the next thing, if, if you're the Jets or the Canucks, you have to be hoping that Edmonton moves into the top three in the Pacific, right? Like you have to be hoping they end up third or second so you don't get them in the first round mm-hmm. of the of the playoffs. Like, hey, Winnipeg, great job, you know, finishing or, you know, finishing second or yeah. first in the in the West. Uh, here's Edmonton. Like, yeah. Yeah, that would be the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Great point by you. I mean, awesome for fans. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see that. But (laughs) yeah, but it's quite the booby prize when you fight your way to the top of the standings and you go, "Uh oh, we have the hottest (laughs) team in the league that we got to face now. And and uh, with all that star power. So it just goes to show that we have a lot of intrigue left in the season when you consider the possibilities, because the you mentioned the tightness of the Metro division. You mentioned the fact that Edmonton could really screw things up for a uh, Western power right out the hop. And uh, could an upstart team like Detroit squeeze their way into the playoffs for a different look? So there's lots of intrigue uh, around the NHL. And uh, we're only halfway through, but uh, I thought it was uh, a good time to take a look at the races from a point of view of which teams have stuck their nose in where we didn't expect it to be the case. All right, uh, AJ, let's dive into our nuts and bolts. And once again, we will begin that by taking a look at some of the hot shooters around the NHL this past week. Why don't you start us off in that regard? Yeah, as a reminder, you know, we're going to focus on guys with uh, slightly lower ownership percentage out there in in your league format. So uh, we're not going to talk about Elias Pettersson's nine points in four games over the last week, uh, although I just did. Um, so, guys, you can look at uh, at the top here in terms of fantasy point production. Nick Bukesat for Arizona, three goals, two assists, 17 shots, really propelling him to the top here. 
Uh, of course, uh, Sharon Govich for Calgary, five goals this last week in three games. Uh, you know, the key here, as Paul and I love to highlight, uh, he's dual eligible, depending on your format, is both a center and a wing. Uh, 33% ownership. So there's a lot of leagues out there that could be able to capitalize on him. I like that one. I don't think this is just a, a flash kind of thing for him. They've got him in a first line role with Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm. Um, you know, maybe they could put Blake Coleman or Manjapani up in that spot, but I, I really think this is a good, good place to put him. He's been rewarding them for being in that spot. So I, I don't see him necessarily dropping out of uh, a top six role. There has been getting plenty of minutes with the, the man advantage as well, which is certainly key. Um, so those are the two top names on this list. Uh, Paul, I will kick it over to you to highlight a few others. Yeah, and again, we're doing this not because we want to ignore the top shooters. We want to help you if you're in your midseason with your fantasy teams struggling a little bit. These are players that are available in more uh, often than not in fantasy leagues, and that's why we're focusing on, on them. Uh, I continue to make moves during the season because I'm in contention in my league, and, and it's injury situations crop up, and you got to know the next man up that can help you. And so we go through this list for those reasons. Joel Farabee in Philadelphia. I mentioned the ups, uh, the upswing of the Flyers this season. Farabee has been a guy that's played a key role in this offense for a couple of years now, and he's doing it again. His ownership's only at 35%, but he comes off a week of two goals and two assists, nine shots on goal, and he's playing top six minutes for a team that is uh, tough out every night. And uh, the same can be said for Calgary. They're, they're like the the... Edmonton Oilers light, I'll say, so far this season. They disappointed out of the shoot. We didn't have as high expectations as uh, the Oilers, so, though. But uh, Backlund is the captain of this team and the heart and soul. And uh, he, he's played the top nine minutes for, throughout his career here and gets a look on power play time. He got a power play point last week among the four points that he totaled. 12 shots on goal. This guy is the ultimate gamer for me for, for this lineup. And he'll drag them into the fight every chance that he gets as the True leader on this team, underrated though he might be. Oliver Bjorkstrand next on the list for Seattle, a team that's kind of disappointed this season, AJ. Four points from him as well, only 28% owned. If you're looking for assistance, this is another guy who gets power play time and he gets 12 shots on goal last week to show you that he's involved offensively. Alexi Lafreniere, they've been waiting, the Rangers have, for to see steps in his development. He's showing signs of that this year, finally. Picked up three points last week. 18 shots on goal in four games played. So the offense is starting to flow for him. And surrounded by star power on the Rangers, I think there's only a chance that it goes even higher. And in terms of being surrounded by star power, Pontus Holmberg of the Maple Leafs was playing in the minors for most of the season. Then he came up for a cup of coffee as a fourth liner. And he really opened some eyes with a highlight real goal last week, AJ, against San Jose, where he went around a defenseman and then basically one-handed a puck flicking it over the goalie it was a really high-end offensive play and and it caused uh, some eyebrows to raise but in the leaf dressing room some of the stars on this club said this guy has a lot of skill and uh, he should be given an offensive opportunity and it seems the coach has listened to him uh, sheldon keep has got him now installed as a first line winger and he got two goals and one helper last week with nine shots on goal. His ownership is a 1% right now. If he continues to stay in this role, AJ, showing me the offense that he's delivered this past week, he should be snapped up. Other players that caught your eye? Well, one, uh, maybe it's more of a, a long-term play here, but Anthony Duclair, decent uh, week. He's got uh, three points in his last four games. Uh, just played three games last week, but going back even further, uh, the shot totals over his last five have been two or more. Um, but here's why you might, if you have a stash spot or something, because you may not use Duclair every single night, depending on how your roster is built right now. He's only winger eligible, but his name continues to circulate high among potential trade pieces uh, for uh, the, the upcoming deadline here. And so I think you could seriously consider if you have the space to stash him away, uh, do it. And then, you know, he'll contribute some here and there. You can use them if it's a night where, you know, somebody uh, you don't have other games going on. But I think he's worth maybe considering stashing so that when he does potentially get traded to another team, it's most likely going to be to a contender. And his numbers, his production should go up 
uh, depending on where he lands. Now, it's a riskier option, obviously. You need somewhere to stash a guy. So there's a lot of factors going into this. But just one thing that I want to highlight, he's only 1% owned, so he should be available in most formats. And maybe think about, you know, maybe it's a little too soon. Maybe you give it another week or two. But as we get closer to deadline, don't sleep on potential guys with kind of mid-range production, but who could be moved in a trade and find themselves playing uh, in, in a top role. I mean, what if, you know, say Edmonton went out and got him and they stuck him, you know, on the, say, the second line with Kane, Dreisaitl, uh, he replaces Fogel potentially uh, over there in Edmonton. That'd be a great assignment to have Duclair in. So something to keep an eye on. Just want to bring that up as a player who caught my eye on this week. Great point, AJ. And I'll finish our analysis of the forwards by taking a look at two more players, Morgan Geeky in Boston. We talked about this guy for a couple of weeks, and yet his ownership is only at 16%. He's a two-position eligibility player, getting top-line minutes, power play time in Boston as well. Pick up two power play assists last week, seven shots on goal, and uh, looks like he's not going anywhere and staying in that top six role for the a team that's once again, one of the top teams in the entire league. So I don't know why you wouldn't take a, a look at him considering all of those factors. And then the last name I'll mention is Jonathan Drouin, who was, uh, we've been wait, waiting for him to be relevant in fantasy for years, it seems. A high-end draft pick initially when he started his career, bounced around between Montreal and Toronto, uh, Montreal and Tampa, rather. And he seems to have found a home in Colorado and is th- flourishing as a top six forward there, he's playing at, played an average of 25 minutes a game last week in the three tilts that he was involved with. Picked up three points, only four shots on goal. But I think the shot total will rise uh, as he gets more reps in here and more confidence because I'm sure he's looking around thinking, I better pass the puck to some of the, the, the signature players on this club that he's playing with, uh, Rantanen and, and uh, of course, McKinnon. So once he gets a little more comfortable there, I think the offense is just only going to increase uh, with this opportunity. So two more guys with relatively low ownership that are on top flight teams should be snapped up in your leagues if you're struggling at the forward position. How about on the blue line, AJ? Some names that uh, caught your eye this past week. Well, my first one is going to be maybe a cautionary one because uh, the first name on our list, Paul, here was Mario Ferraro uh, for San Jose. Three assists, six shots, 12 hits, 13 blocks, only 7% ownership. Uh, sounds all well and good, especially if you're in a format that use, uses hits and blocks. But here's the problem. All three of those assists came in one game. Yeah, He has uh, points in just one of his last six contests, has just nine shots over that whole six-game span, hasn't scored a goal since uh, mid-December, a run of uh, 16 games without a goal. Uh, just uh, pumping the brakes on him a little bit. There's power play minutes that you'll see on there as well, but it's with the second unit, not the first unit. Um, So they're definitely limited. I mean, the most in any game uh, during this kind of goal slump here is two minutes of power play ice time. Usually the last three games, it's been closer to a minute, minute and a half. Um, So I, I doing the opposite on this one, a name that on our list, or, you know, maybe uh, if you're looking at the free agent list, uh, in your league, maybe he's showing up there right now as a strong performer this last week. I'm pumping the tires on Mario Ferrara. I think uh, it's a one-game explosion. It's kind of over-elevating his numbers right now. Um, on the opposite end, uh, I think, uh, you know, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jake McCabe is on this list as well. I think that's uh, more of a, a potential uh, long-term thing. There are going to be slumps in his game. I, I think that's totally possible. Uh, ended December into January on a five-game slump. But right now, uh, four, five points in his last five games, including a power play assist. So, again, getting very limited power play opportunities. I wouldn't even necessarily call him one of the power play contributors uh, for this team. But producing at a decent, you know, every couple of nights, every night, uh, slumpier, you know, streakier player. But uh, I think I'd rather between those two – gravitate towards Jake McCabe than Mario Ferraro. Yeah, well, coupled with McCabe, I would include Timothy Lilligram as a consideration. If you're looking for a second offensive piece in Toronto that might fit the bill, I mean, they have certainly got a lot of star power up front. Morgan Riley's been the only defenseman that's been 
fantasy relevant for the last few years. But I, I would keep a Spocky and I on Timothy Lilligren, AJ. He's getting second power play minutes. He got nine shots on goal last week in addition to two points, showing you that he has an offensive game. He's only owned in 11% of leagues. So if you're looking for a second piece out of the Toronto lineup, I would rather go with him than McCabe, who is more of a defensive-minded defenseman coming off a big offensive week last week. And if you're looking for a guy who's going to get power play minutes, it's more likely to be Lilligren than McCabe. That's all I'll say. In uh, Dallas, they are looking for an answer because uh, of the fact that Miro Heiskanen is is by the boards and uh, in terms of an injury situation. Nils Lundqvist and Yanni Hakenpa both got involved in the offense last week. I have a little more faith in uh, Lundqvist, I would say, based on what I saw last week. 17 minutes is the average, 17 and a half minutes average ice time, seven shots on goal in the four games and picked up three points. Hakenpa, more of a defensive-minded defenseman, made the list largely on the strength of 20 hits and seven block shots to your point about Mario Ferraro. So it's not just about the points here that we'll highlight, but also the overall game. And uh, in, in Tampa, they're also concerned about the fact that Sergachev's out of the lineup and Nick Perbix is factoring into the offense alongside uh, Hedman on the back end for the T- Tampa club. Three games played last week, five points accumulated. He's only owned in 1% of leagues. You got to keep an eye on this guy's uh, opportunities. I'll say, if he's getting offensive zone starts, uh, you might be worth picking him up because they can't always be headman on the ice. And a team that is loaded offensively, maybe a perfect just needs to dump the puck in and hope that one of the forwards gets it going on the cycle and sets up some plays in order for him to get some more points. So keep an eye on those situations. In terms of uh, other people that factor into this list. Caden Gooley in Montreal is a young player, more of a stash uh, possibility, I would say, uh, than uh, maybe fantasy relevant this year. But I like the offensive chops that this guy has, and uh, he is getting some significant minutes in Montreal, uh, learning his craft. He got 15 block shots last week to show you that he has a defensive acumen as well, but he has a big, uh, big-time offensive game in his arsenal uh, once he gets comfortable at this level i think you're going to start to see more and more of that aj well paul uh don't need to add anything else there on that front so i'll take us over to the netminders right now uh again you know some of the same names kind of popping up here uh that we're seeing uh the couple that you know maybe i would think about obviously samuel arison you mentioned paul they're kind of using both arison and Hart right now. Um, Hart's going to see the bigger share, um, but they've been close to every other. There were there was like one back-to-back set for Hart uh, on, on the calendar right now, but for the most part, it's been every other. I think that should continue, and so that makes Arison a really high-value target here. Two wins, just two goals allowed, 52 shaves, uh, saves with a shutout there. Uh, so really good uh, production out of him. San Jose, uh, we've been getting a little bit more Mackenzie Blackwood of late. Uh, the the even split at times has seemed uh, a little more in uh, Blackwood's favor. Now, the numbers haven't been awesome. Uh, just one win in his last five appearances, two or more goals allowed in each of those games. Uh, so that's uh, that's a little tricky there. And then Lucas Dostal for uh, Anaheim. Now, there was uh, part of his games played, I think, is a little bit inflated because John Gibson uh, was out for, for a brief uh, period there for a little while. So I would expect uh, Dostal to maybe not be quite as heavy of the starter going forward here, um, but he has looked okay and maybe has played himself into a split share. So those are kind of the three right off the top uh, that make the most sense because they're going to get opportunities as well. And I look at a couple other guys, AJ, below them that are getting more of a look because of the situation around them. Buffalo's looking for a goalie to take hold of the the net mining situation. Devin Levi struggled in his rookie season, and uh, it looks like Ukapeka Lukanen has kind of surpassed him. Uh, He picked up a shadow uh, along the way this week as well, uh, yesterday, in fact, Monday. Uh, So we we throw that in for consideration. But uh, in two starts last week, one win, 14 let's see, one win 
in the four games, uh, goals against rather, and 47 saves, 21.2 fantasy points on the week. And I think he's going to get a bit of a run here in the Nets for Buffalo. And the same might be said for Nico Dawes, who's been late to the late to the stage in New Jersey, but with Vanacek's struggles on the season, they're looking for a guy to challenge him. And they've given Dawes a few extra reps in the last couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that circumstance for sure. And then, uh, a little bit lower down the list. I looked back in Toronto at Ilya Samsonov finally got into the net again, albeit in a losing cause, but he looked okay. I like this is uh, structure and style. Uh, it seemed less, less panicky, I will say than it has in the past. And, and somebody has got to emerge from that, uh, that goaltending situation and kind of right the ship here in Toronto. They've certainly relied on Martin Jones to stabilize things in the absence of Joseph Wall, who's, just starting to skate now, I understand. So there's three options in Toronto, and uh, it's a team that should be upwardly mobile in the standings the rest of the way with a better second half than their first half, I would think. And uh, Samson, uh, Samsonov was signed as a guy to be the number one. So just an idea that you might want to stash him if he's available in your leagues to see if he can right himself and take hold of that role. And I mentioned the upstarts in Detroit who are challenging to make things relevant. And uh, I have a soft spot for James Reimer. I admit that, but and, and I was happy to see him at least receipt for the victory against Toronto, uh, even though I was disappointed with the Leafs' loss. But Reimer is a guy who's part of a three-goalie mix in Detroit who hasn't gotten a lot of his due, uh, despite the fact he's played every bit as well as the other two fellas, and he has more experience than the two of them. So I would think that he might emerge as their go-to guy a little bit more than he has in the second half of the season. So that takes us through the, the ranks of the most... Uh, the best performers in the past week. But now I want to turn our attention to the most added players around the league, AJ, in terms of the performance that has garnered interest among fellow fantasy managers around the uh, periphery of this league who are counting on players to have an impact and have uh, valued these players highly. So why don't we talk about a few of those? Yeah, absolutely. So looking at the top, uh, the name that most stands out to me here is uh is Brock Faber uh just having a, a really good season for Minnesota surprised that the numbers are uh as low as they are now admittedly there's there's a bit of a goal slump right now uh 12 games without a goal um but shot totals have been decent he's getting uh plenty of power play opportunities with the number one unit there uh so I'm a little surprised to see his uh numbers only at 25 percent after an 11% bump this last week. Um, you could potentially see a little bit of a dip if there's uh, something related, you know, with uh, Jonas Brodeen back or something, but um, Brock Faber, definitely a name to watch uh, this, the rest of the season. And I, I think uh, worth taking a look at in, in your formats here, Joey Decord, we've talked about the fact that he's pretty much taken over uh, as the number one option in Seattle uh, in fact, he's appeared in all but one of their last 15 games. Uh, so uh, here's a guy who's starting regularly. Oh, and by the way, he's got 10 wins over that stretch. Three of those losses are in overtime, a 1-7-3 goals against average. Uh, this guy will not be available in half of your leagues as he is now uh, for much longer. So obviously, Joey Decord is a big one there. He uh, went last night against against my Penguins. So uh, from a DFS standpoint, we expect to see uh, a Dreger tonight. But Joey Decord just having uh, a fantastic year and has really cemented himself as the number one. So those are the two at the top that stood out to me the most. Um, Paul, I'll kick it back to you. Uh, I will mention Mario Ferraro appears on this list about a 5% increase. Again, I am hard to pass on that right now. Uh, I, I don't think that's the right choice. I think it's uh, artificially inflated. So I'll throw that out there as well. Now I'll kick it to you, Paul. All right. Well, I talked about the Leaf goaltending situation. Marty Jones is now owned in 34.6% uh, of leagues, a bump of 11%. And that almost reflects a one-third opportunity to, t to steal the number one role outright in Toronto. So I think it's about where it should be. But he's going to get a bit more of a run here at beginning with tonight's game against Edmonton. Tough assignment to be sure. But he's been outstanding. The Leafs have been a, have been a great road team this season. So that's a game that will be uh, 
most watch, I think, on the on the bill this evening, if we can get ahead of ourselves a little bit before we go to the DFS option. Uh, Jonathan Drouin, just to touch on him and Farabee, I mentioned them earlier in the show. Their ownership both bumped up by about 7%, but both of them are still widely available. Drouin only owned in 14.3% of leagues. He Look, he's got that primetime opportunity on the first line here. you got to snap this guy up, I think, if he's available in your league and you're struggling with some lack of production on your wings. Joel Farabee, I mentioned him earlier. That spike of 7% this week has brought him up to 33%. Still a viable option. He's been proving it uh, time and again for Philadelphia. But now they're a better team than they were when he first jumped on the scene. So his profile should benefit from that that uptick for the whole squad here. So probably see that, that continue to rise. Jamie Drysdale uh, is day-to-day with a bit of a, a knock in Philadelphia. Injury knock uh, concern, I guess. But his ownership only at 17.6%. Based on the early returns, though, he had an outstanding debut there. And they're going to give him every opportunity to get power play time and top pairing minutes here. The, the, the guy is uber skilled offensively and uh, lands in a very good situation in Philly. So another name to look at over there. Uh, look, at the, in Edmonton, they're flying right now. And uh, Skinner's playing most every game. Yet somehow... He's not owned in 31% of leagues on Yahoo, 69% ownership. Uh, it did spike 4.9% last week, but boy, oh boy, as long as Edmonton's rolling, this guy's getting almost every start. You got to have him in your mix, I think, if you're struggling in the Nets. Winnipeg is a power in their division, as we suggested earlier, and Nikolai Ehlers finally healthy again. Look, uh, he was a guy who in the past has been a signature offensive piece here, and he's starting to show that side of his game again, mostly in the absence of Kyle Connor, who will be returning shortly to the Winnipeg mix. But Ehlers has uh, been a star for this team on the wing for a, n- a number of years, and yet ownership, ownership is down at only 57%, despite a recent run of success that he's had. Uh, mentioned the that Dallas situation, another name that I touched on earlier, Thomas Harley. His ownership spiked from thir- up to 36, 33.6% with a 4%. 0.4% jump last week. So uh, those are other names that caught my eye in terms of the most added players that I saw, AJ. You want to touch on any of them? No, I'm going to just take us into the break here, Paul, but not without mentioning uh, some of the tools over on rotowire.com. Uh, as we've mentioned in the past, the best way to check out the site, rotowire.com slash pod, rotowire.com slash pod uh, to get a 48-hour, two-day uh, trial of the site where you can check out all the latest information. And for me, one of the best tools that we have uh, from a DFS perspective, or even when I'm trying to evaluate, you know, do I take, do I pick up this player in season long or this player in season long is our power play depth charts. These are updated as often as we can uh, most of the time on a daily or maybe every other day basis, uh, depending on what they do at practice. Uh, and so you can see, you know, who is on the number one unit, who's on the second unit. And we change these when we see something like that. Uh, every single day, if we see a change, we're updating these to, to display that so that you know who's on the number one unit and is going to see a lot of time, who's on the number two unit. And then I think it also helps you on some teams that it's a little bit more evenly divided. You know, some of the you look at Dallas, like their number one unit, Pavelski, Hints. Ben, Robertson, and Harley, but the second unit still has Duchesne, Mason Marchman, Tyler Sagan. Uh, so that's a more viable number two that's probably going to see some more minutes here than, than the number one. Um, so just a great tool. Again, rotowire.com slash pod. And with that, I'll lead us into our break, Paul. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ. I'm Paul Bruno alongside AJ Scholes. And we now turn our attention to injury news around the league as well as player drops. And then we'll finish up with our look at DFS strategies on FanDuel and DraftKings ahead of tonight's 10-game slate. AJ, topping the list in terms of most drop players, Willie Carlson, who lands on the injured reserve list for Vegas. That's a tough blow for this team. They can't, they've counted on this guy's resurgence this year to help their offense. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries, though, for, for a long time this season, and yet they're still among the Western powers, largely because of his contribution. They're going to miss him while he's outside the lineup. Uh, Trevor Zegris, another huge blow for Anaheim. They just can't keep this youngster healthy. He lands on the IR again, and I, I don't know. Uh, he's, he gets himself mixed up in the heavy going a little more than he should. He's very slightly built. I'd rather see him in open ice and dangling like a few other players around the league. Uh, another situation I want to touch on is the goaltending in Carolina has been a real dog's breakfast this year because they can't seem to keep anybody healthy. Uh, Antti Ranta is the only healthy starter of the three that they began the season with. Pyotr Kachetkov joined Freddie Anderson on the sidelines with a concussion situation that... Uh, I don't know if it'll keep him out long-term, but it's a blow because he was having a nice run in Carolina as they were riding him to a real string of success. So uh, let's hope that he can get back in the mix and help that squad kind of right itself. Those are some of the names that caught my eye. Uh, Any top uh, injury news that uh, merits consideration from your seat? Well, yeah, I think number one, Matty Berniers for Seattle. Uh, He missed the game uh, yesterday against the Penguins. And now he's been shifted to IR, um, so he's going to miss some time. You've got Alexander Barkov picked up a a lower body injury that has been deemed minor. Um, But, of course, you never know how long that's going to last. Um, Jared Spurgeon was shifted over to long-term injured reserve, so we're not going to see him uh, until at least late January. So another couple uh, weeks for him. You've got uh, guys like Sean Couturier dealing with injuries. Andre Burakovsky also was sidelined Monday. Same with Vince Dunn. Linus Omar continues to be out of the lineup. Uh, and then, of course, I think uh, we should mention uh, Valerie Natushkin has entered uh, the NHL uh, player assistance program and is deemed out indefinitely. Um, so he won't be available for kind of an undetermined uh, amount of time now. So there's uh, a lot of news. Uh, again, I'll give just another quick plug for rotowire.com. We have an NHL injury news uh, page where you can just see all of this uh, spewing out to you, <laughs> uh, everything you need related to, to injuries around the league. And so it's a great resource there as well. 
AJ, in Winnipeg, they've got uh, one star coming and one star going, it seems, in terms of the injury list. Kyle Connor has been out for a long while, as we touched on earlier, but he's resumed skating and was in an, an uh, uh, not in a, a, undes- a designated injury sweater in the last practice, is what I'm trying to say. He looks like he's ready to go and be a part of this lineup going forward, so you should see him back in the lineup this week. Not sure we can say the same about Mark Shifley. There's no details other than a lower body designation to his injury status at the moment. And they got to hope that one of their signature pieces there in the middle of the ice is not going to be out any more than a few days. He's listed as day-to-day right now. So in closing out this segment, I want to touch on the fact that we'd mentioned Heiskanen and Sergachev, two blows to your lineup. You know, when when you're dealing with injuries on the defense, typically typically there's not that many defensive roster spots in your in your lineups uh, in fantasy leagues. So you got to really watch the situations. And if it's a long term hurt like Dougie Hamilton, for heaven's sakes, you got to punt on this guy. He still owns somehow in 65 percent of leagues. The the situation is not quite so dire for Heiskanen or Sergachev, but they're going to miss significant time. So you really got to judge your situation according to how much your time you're going to be expecting these guys to miss to determine whether you keep them or you punt on them and try to replace them because it's it's important that you don't lose ground in the hope that you're waiting for the, some of these guys to come back. So I thought it would be worth mentioning a point of strategy on how to handle longer-term injury situations and even if it's a star player, like I had Jack Hughes for New Jersey early in the season. And I thought, you know, he's going to miss a chunk of time again. I'm really wavering here in terms of what I do with a guy like him. I had Hamilton. I punted him too for the season because of the long-term nature of his recovery. So things to consider when we're talking about the injury circumstance, just a point I wanted to make, AJ. Now, Let's try. Let's dive into our fantasy look at tonight's action, partner. And uh, it's a ten-game slate. There's some signature matchups. You know, I'll be watching a, a battle of the superstars in Edmonton and Toronto, uh, visiting uh, the west uh, western part of Canada this week. And uh, Matthews and uh, McDavid both costing an arm and a leg. Neither one of them got into my line. I'm, I'm curious if you used either one of those guys or went big in another direction. I did not end up using either of them, uh, though I do think uh, there is a, a viable option in which you do try and get some of those guys in there. Uh, problem is price, of course, with with those two, but that figures to be a pretty high-scoring game. No, for me, I'm uh, mostly targeting the New York Rangers tonight. They're playing at home. They're one of the best teams in the league right now, uh, and they've got Seattle coming in on the second game of a back-to-back. I mentioned that Seattle – doesn't have Matty Berniers, may still, we haven't heard yet, may still be without Burakovsky or Vince Dunn. Uh, Adam Larson picked up uh, or was uh, dealing with an illness yesterday. So whether or not he can play today is also a question. So there's a lot of things going on with Seattle right now. It's going to be Dreger instead of Decord, most likely because of the back-to-back. So all that to say, there's a heavy Ranger lean on my lineup, and that starts with both of my centers. Um, I'm going to use both Vinny Trocek at 6,400 and Mika Zibanejad at 6,200. Both guys have been very productive of late. Uh, they uh, play together on the number one power play unit. And so that's a, a bonus there as well, even though they anchor the first and second line. So a little bit cheaper than the top of the price range, but certainly not steals um, by any price or any uh, definition there. I'm going to continue that when I look at wing and go with Chris Kreider, 6,500. So really you're getting all three of these guys between 62 and 6,500. Great matchup tonight. I'm going to go with Blake Coleman for 5,400. Calgary playing at home. Coleman has uh, been uh, putting up some decent numbers of late. Uh, The only concern is a third line role for him right now, but he is on the second power play unit. Um, but he's red hot with seven points in his last three games. I would expect him to continue uh, rolling right now. And then my final winger here is Mason Marchment for Dallas uh, playing. Again, it's a home game. He plays with Duchesne and Sagan on the second line. Um, production has been decent for him as well. He's got points in six of his last eight games. Uh, and again, power play numbers there for him as well. Uh, on defense, I go back to the Rangers, and we're going to use Adam Fox tonight. Uh, again, getting more of that uh, that power play group. I just think it's a great night to really stack 
the Rangers heavily here. And then I go with Neil Pionk for Winnipeg. They've got a decent matchup as well, playing at home against the Islanders. Uh, Pionk gets a lot of power play minutes. Uh, in fact, in their last game, uh, he was up with the number one unit instead of being on the number two, uh, at least based on minutes here. So I think we should see plenty of Pionk there as well. Utility, I stick with uh, the Winnipeg Jets, and this is kind of a, a shot in the dark right now. If Shifley doesn't play, Adam Lowry is the one who's playing up with Velarde and Nikolai Ehlers. So 3600 for a first-line center with those two next to him, uh, that's a no-brainer if Shifley doesn't play. Might adjust if, if Shifley is in the lineup. And then we'll just stick here. Uh, the Islanders not exactly known for their offensive output, uh, so Connor Hellubuck. I take between the pipes tonight, 8,200, his price tag uh, just, you know, did suffer a win against the Flyers in his most recent outing. But uh, prior to that, had not lost in regulation in uh, 13 straight uh, contests. So playing some of the best hockey uh, of his career right now, which is saying a lot for a Vesna Trophy guy. So a lot of Rangers, a lot of Jets for me. Uh, Paul, how did you build up your lineup over on FanDuel? Well, I went, I'm going to start with a goalie pick and it might surprise you a little bit, but I didn't have anybody on my team that cost less than $4,500 in the FanDuel price list. And the reason I was able to go that way is because I'm going with the San Jose goalie, regardless of who it is against Chicago. I want to give our listeners a reason for picking somebody from this game to watch this game, because I don't <laughs> think other, anybody other than family or friends is going to tune into this woeful matchup between two of the dreadful teams in the NHL. But uh, look, at San Jose's been playing a little bit better of late. Chicago's missing six regular forwards heading into tonight's game, including Bedard, who is out for six to eight weeks with that fractured jaw. Tough circumstance for the youngster, who probably will still win the Rookie of the Year award anyway, right? But uh, tonight, I'm taking a stab at the San Jose goalie, regardless of who it is, at $6,800, that price tab, in a visit to Chicago and uh, to get me a very cheap goalie win and allow, allow me to go and spend a little bit more money across the rest of the roster. I build that roster out by going to Dallas's top line. I think they're going to have a big night against L.A., a team that's sliding with only two wins in their last 10. And I'm going to Rupe Hintz uh, centers the number one line here. He's on a bit of a heater of late, five points in his last four games played, and I think Dallas is playing much better than L.A., and at home tonight, they should receipt for the win. And the big line will be a factor in that, you can bet. Dylan Strom for Washington against Anaheim. Another game that doesn't pit superpowers against one another. Strom, for his part, uh, is emerging as the top center on this club. And I knew that he would. He started out as a third-line center. He was a former high draft pick overall in the same draft where the Leafs took Mitch Marner. And uh, Strom has come into his own in Washington on a pretty favorable contract situation as well. And six points in his last eight games this year. The price tag has gone up a little bit steadily in the last few weeks on his value, but he's performing. And the price tag $6,100 tonight against a suspect Anaheim defensive structure. The only player I'm picking in the Edmonton-Toronto game tonight, AJ, is not a Maple Leaf. And that might shock you and our listeners, but I'm going with Ryan Nugent Hopkins for $7,300. I had to get a piece of the Oilers' power play in the mix here. He's got nine points in his last nine games played. The Leafs on the PK have been awful in the last couple of weeks, and this could be, uh, if Edmonton offense uh, is going to ignite through the power play, could be a long night for the Maple Leafs here. If they can't stay out of the penalty box, I'm betting that Nugent Hopkins plays a role as he usually does when that, that group is rolling. And uh, uh, you mentioned here Igor Sharangovich. I was listening, AJ, and I did a little research <laughs> while you were talking. He gets the matchup against Arizona tonight, six uh, goals in his last six games played, with 18 shots on goal in that stretch, playing on the first line for the Calgary Flames. I, I said to our listeners that they've played better of late, Calgary has, and Sharangovich has been central to that recent success. Colorado is uh, was shocked yesterday in the Monday game against Montreal. They lost 4-3, to three, but Devin Taves continues his outstanding run of offense. Nine points in his last 12 games played. People don't talk about this guy because he's second to Kale McCarr in the depth chart of offensive defensemen here. But make no mistake, he's a guy that will factor in when this team is rolling. I expect them to go into Ottawa with a bit of a a burr in their bonnets, and uh, I think they're going to be out to run up a total, and 
Devin Tays will be in the middle of that offense tonight, I think. Noah Hannafin has been a, a stud for Calgary for a couple of years, AJ, and uh, six points in his last six, six games played shows that the offense is coming to the fore for a guy who has been one of the best defensemen, uh, defensive defensemen in hockey, but he has some offensive chops that uh, are, are being noticed of late by me, and that matchup against Arizona gives him another chance to add to those offensive totals. Mentioned Jonathan Drouin earlier, a plum assignment on the first line for Colorado. Nine points in his last seven games, and the price tag is creeping up a little bit, but still very affordable at $5,200, so I'll take him as well. And then in Washington's game against Anaheim, I go back to the well, and I look at Max Pacioretty, only priced at $4,500. And the three points in his last four games tell me that he's getting the reps under his belt and starting to feel his offensive game again. And when he's healthy and he's playing regularly, featured on the power play with Washington, I mean, certainly uh, with without Ovechkin in the lineup, he'll be the go-to guy. And even if Ovi shows up, he's still going to be a very key option in the in the power play situation for Washington as well at top six minutes. So that's the way my roster shakes out. It's not got uh, any of the big guns from the from the top of the list but per se. I don't know, AJ, if, if uh, it's wise to punt on some of those offense, uh, top offensive pieces, but I really hate picking a guy who's more than $10,000 in value. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's a tough call. Uh, it really limits what you can do with the rest of your lineup, but when they go off, you know, then you're on the outside looking in, uh, in, in terms of the the points there. So I agree with you though. It's hard to spend that much. You just limit yourself so much. Um, I feel like you're playing more, uh, playing, you know, maybe you're playing a little bit more riskier for, but trying to get the top of the, the payout there, right? Like if the random options you're able to fill in the rest of your lineup pay off, you end up at the top, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely a higher risk option, I think. All right, AJ, we started this show with a look at the midseason report for the surprise teams, good and bad, around the NHL. But I think it's fitting that we give ourselves a chance to talk about our favorite clubs as we close the show. So I'm going to let you give me your impressions of what you've seen out of the Penguins. Are you happy? Are you disappointed? And what do you project for the rest of the season from your club? I am optimistically frustrated with the Penguins. How's that for a term for you? Um, <laughs> things have been looking better, uh, especially after Kyle Dubas basically said like, hey, we're going to evaluate this team, you know, before the deadline and see where we're at. They've looked a lot better since then. Um, they've gotten some guys back healthy. That's certainly helped. Um, but how does a team with three lock Hall of Famers, possibly a fourth, uh, maybe who knows how Gensel's career continues, maybe a fifth <laughs> performs so badly at three on three. How you've got Crosby Ovechkin, I'm uh, not Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, uh, and Carlson for sure. Maybe Latang is going to be a hall of famer. And yet twice in their last three games, they lost in overtime, not in the shootout in overtime at three on three. So it's a problem for this team that they need to figure out. The power play was good for like, three weeks and now it's trash again. They need to figure that out as well. Um, but at the end of the day, they're on a run. They've got at least a point in four straight games. Uh, that includes a win over Philadelphia, which is huge. Uh, they beat Seattle last night. So they're, they're, they're frustrating. Uh, <laughs> they're inconsistent, uh, but I'm optimistic they can make the playoffs. And then if, you know, if you're in the playoffs, maybe you can do something. That's, that's where I'm at, Paul. You know what? I could almost say exactly the same thing. I love the term that you use. Can you come up with that again? Frustratingly? Frustratingly optimistic. I love that. <laughs> and I think that applies to the way the Leafs have been going this season. And uh, look, at I, I don't like the way that the coach is mixing up the lines all season long. You can't stick with the units for any protracted length of time. And we, uh, we in Toronto know that Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews have quite the bromance going on on the ice. And uh, they, they, I've been to so many games that I, I always see at the end of the warmups, these two are the last players on the ice and they continue to dazzle with the passing plays that they produce in, in those uh, sessions. It's kind of fun to watch the, the neat passing plays through the legs and the, the funky shots that they take. It just shows that they like to have a lot of fun together. 
but they're not good defensively together, and that's why they were split up, uh, AJ. So uh, looking at the composition of these lines, I touched on the fact that Pontus Holmberg is getting a look on the top unit with Matthews and Nylander. I'm curious to see how that pans out, and if all the, the hype around Holmberg is real, real, they might have found something here. Uh, Max Domi and Mitch Marner played together in junior. They're reunited here on the second unit, and Tyler Bertuzzi, who's playing his best hockey as a Leaf in the recent weeks, offensively and really being a pest on the four check. That's a good looking unit. The third line is the one that, that I'm a little bit concerned about. Nick Robertson looking to find his way. Is he a viable NHLer? He's got a great shot, suspect defensively. John Tavares looks like he's a little lost a step in his play in the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure if he's dealing with a hurt or anything, but his play has dropped off a little bit. Callie Yarncrock uh, continues to be that guy, plug and play guy who is solid two ways uh, and has a decent offensive totals considering the lack of uh, primetime opportunities he got this year. And then, of course, the fourth line is just uh, mix and match. And I'm kind of disappointed to see Matthew Nyes in a fourth line role, but he has kind of been missing in action on the Matthews unit. And so they had to do something there. On the blue line, you mentioned McCabe has been uh, helpful in terms of additional offense from the back end. Timothy Lilligren, the same thing. But this group is suspect defensively. Apart from Morgan Riley's offensive numbers, there's not a lot to like, quite frankly. And they've got to upgrade that group before the end of the season. I'm not sure how they do it at the trade deadline because it's going to have to be money in, money out. They are right up against the cap. And uh, we'll see if they can pull something off. And they need Joseph Wall to come back and play like he did earlier in the season. They need two viable goalies uh, out of the three. So uh, that's going to be a merry-go-round to see how they sort that out. So both our clubs have a lot of unanswered questions, and neither one, I think, is a lock to make the playoffs. I'll say that rather surprisingly. Uh, the Leafs are giving up ground, and they've got to shore things up in order to guarantee that position. So, uh, AJ, uh, I think we got an exciting second half ahead of us. I know we do. It's usually going to pan out that way with the races being tight, as we mentioned, at off the top, and uh, lots of things to look forward to in the second half. We'll be here for you to, to give our slant. And as always, we thank you for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We thank you for uh, following us, too, on Twitter. You can reminder, you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes24. Wish you a good week. So long, everybody. And a little bit of a tease. I'm going to be in a different location next week. I'm going to be here.